Open your Bibles, will you please, this morning to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, just as an opening introduction here. We often think of the life of Christ and being with Christ. In fact, the promise is that Jesus gave to his disciples in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give unto you. So we like to think that the Christian life is a life of peace, and it is. But there's another side to it, and this is the side, the tension between the peace and the tension between the conflict that comes as a result of the truths of the Scripture. And to look at that, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever will deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Verse 34. And this is the key verse that I want to bring in to focus this morning. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, I came not to send peace, but a sword. Wow. That doesn't sound like peace. So what do you make of that? We live in a get-along society. We live in a world where, you know, it's just not good. It's not thought good to be in your face on something. Uh, so we have... Lots of issues like the racism issue and all those things that today, it's just ridiculous. You, you don't even know how to, if you look at, if you're keeping track of what they're doing to the politicians, they say one word wrong and they're just, they take that one word and they construe it as racism and all this kind of, all this ridiculous stuff is going on. Years ago, you'd have never thought about it, that you have to be that careful. But you know what? How you say every word is so, has to be so precisely placed, or they're going to give an assignment to you. This is what you are. This is what you're intent. They're, in, they're putting intent behind people's words that people never thought they, that's not what they meant to say. So, we live in a world where it's just good to get along. It affects the way we think. And as you try to make friends, or you meet new people, you really do try to put out an approach where you're going to get along with that person. That's what you want to do, in most cases. But there's a problem with that theology. Because there's truth of Scripture that cannot be compromised and still get along. There are those who would purport the idea that you believe the way you believe, I believe the way we, you, I believe, we're all going to get there anyway. It's just okay. Is that, in fact, okay? So, how do you live life and present truth that is unbending and yet not offend 
to the point of turning someone away from truth. These are all issues that we need to look at. It's the world we live in. You cannot be a Christian for a length of time without in some way approaching someone or presenting the Word of God in some way. Yes, your life should be a presentation of the truths of God's Word as you live out practically in your life. The Word of God in Christian life, it should show. You are presenting something of a picture. But I want to bring us to a very sobering word in the book of Revelation. This is where this is where I'm going to stay the rest of the morning here, just the next few minutes. Revelation chapter 3, I want to look at the first six verses. This is a shocker. God spoke in Revelation here to the seven churches. There were other churches there. The church of Colossae was right in that area too, but it was never even addressed. And I, I've asked myself the question, why not? I don't know. But here we have this morning, I want to look at the church of Sardis. and What God said to them because it's so relevant to exactly the world we're living in here. It says here, verse 1, unto the church, angel of the church of Sardis write, These things says he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things that remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou wilt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. I asked a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now I want to look in verse, look what it says in verse 1 here. I know thy works, thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Can you imagine what kind of shocker that was to those who were part of the church of Sardis? To hear those words, you got a name, you're alive. This church, I believe, they were active. They were active because it says, you've got a name, you're alive. Your reputation around here in this community is that, yeah, that's the church. They, they're, they're living. I mean, they, they're active. They're, they're, they're into it. They're communicating, and they're just they're getting along, and we're, we're just really getting on with it. What's God saying? But you're dead. You're dead. Can you imagine what kind of shocker that was to them? As I look at my own life, I have to ask myself the question. So I consider myself to be active in our church, etc. And then I ask myself the question, if God was to talk to me, and he would give me 
a word like he did the church of Sardis, what would he say about me? Would he say, well, you got a name that you're alive, but really, you're dead. You're dead. What a shocker. You see, activity, doing good itself, is not necessarily a sign of life. Then you have the church of Smyrna in chapter 2. You have, you guys, you're poor. You're poverty. I'm serious, you are so poor. That's what he says in the scripture here in chapter 2. But then he says, but you're rich. You're rich. So how do you know if you're right or if you're not? Really? What's the bottom line? Let's look a little more in this scripture and see what he says. You see, there's no clear commendation of the, uh, to this church of Sardis, nor was there the church of Laodicea. Only that you have a name that you're living, that's the only thing that really compliments them on. But as you have a reputation of being alive, I know you're not. They were self-confident based on their reputation of life. And he says, be watchful, strengthen the things that remain. There was something good there that he says remains. But the issue is, as you look into here, it really doesn't tell us what the issue really is, except that they're just dead. You have a name that you're, you're alive, but you're dead. So, in order for us to really get a hold of what the issues were in this church, we have to go back to Sardis. I was not there. I have not visited the site, but I have done research. And so I'm going to, based on that research, I want to pull out what I consider to be the issues of this congregation and the issues that are us for us to, to learn by. You have received... Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works to be perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast. What have they received that they had forgotten? We're not told. Let your mind run. Surely, one of the things that they would have received would have been the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's just pull that truth out. Surely they had received that truth. But as they were working and relating now, we're going to have to imagine and put, put together this a little bit. So they had... Drop the things that they had heard and the things that they had received and they were just living a life of getting along. How do we know that? In touring the area of Sardis, there was something very interesting that they found. Sardis had the largest, largest Jewish synagogue outside of Palestine. So it was a huge synagogue, but there was something very Interesting about the synagogue as they look at the ruins of the synagogue. On the pillars of the synagogue, the names of the Jewish community and the people that attended there 
were on the pillar, written on the pillars of the synagogue, but they were written in Greek, not Hebrew. Now, the Jewish people traditionally very staunch on their Hebrew background. So to have their names written on the pillars in Greek means that they had become assimilated into the culture. They were just comfortable in the culture. Upon the walls of the synagogue, typical attire for typical decor on a synagogue would be the history of God's people, you would see, you, that's what you would expect to see inside your church, right? But guess what was on the walls of the synagogue at Sardis? The political history. The political history. Huh. That sounds to me like you. So you'd go to church today and you'd have on the walls of your church what they had on the walls of your church, you'd have the Republican Party and the Democratic Party portrayed over here. You'd have the history of what has happened in the political world on the walls of your church. What would that tell you about your church? That tells us what was going on in this town of Sardis. They had become, part. their identity was their political background. There are many people today, and I don't know what you found in this last election, but there were many people, I don't know if you heard this, but there were many people that were thinking that if Trump doesn't get it, we're in trouble, we're in a big way, we're in a bad way. And there were people that went to the polls that probably hadn't gone to the polls at any time before. Because they just thought, in fact, there were those who said, Trump is the modern day Cyrus. He's the one that God has sent to deliver America out of its troubles, and he's going to be... Ah, but Trump didn't get it. So did God lose the election? No, he did not. Politically, our churches, the direction of the nation even itself. It's not in the hands of the politicians. I'm convinced it's in the hands of God's people on the grassroots level. You and I, as a faithful individual on the grassroots level, living what God wants us to live, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, demonstrating that, that, my friends, is the salt of the earth that's going to impact this, our communities and push them for right. Beyond all that, at the end of the altar, I believe it was, of the Jewish synagogue, there was the Roman symbol. Let me just refresh my mind here. Roman eagle was on the side of the altar. Huh, that's a strange place for a Roman eagle to be. The place where the sacrifice, the daily sacrifice is to be made, you got a Roman eagle on the end of it? Huh. 
Roman animals, symbols of the Roman animals, of their deities and etc., were scattered throughout the synagogue. You see, these people were in a get-along society. In the typical Roman marketplace of that time, you could not get into that marketplace unless you were part of the labor guilds. And to be a part of the labor guilds meant that you had to ascribe these guilds were often related to or involved in the pagan worship and etc. And you could not be a part of that guild unless you were in some way aligning yourself with the God that they represented. In some cases, to walk into the marketplace, in order to get through the gate of the marketplace, you had to pick up a little bit of incense and put it onto the altar that was, the fire that was burning there as an allegiance to the God of the marketplace. But in Sardis, there was something very interesting. There was a, a booth, a business booth found with the Christian symbol on it, which meant that the owner of the booth was a Christian. Right beside it was a symbol, a booth with the symbol of the Jewish, of a Jewish owner, the Jewish symbol. So in the business marketplace, they had found themselves a way of walking right into the middle of this community of pagan worship and get along. That's compromise. That's compromise. Thou art the way, the truth, and the life. So if someone comes and asks you, so I see you are a Christian. So uh, what's that mean? Well, it means, for me, it means that the only way for me to get to heaven is that I believe in Jesus Christ. It's only through him that I have for forgiveness of sins. That's what it means to me, but you may believe different. Uh, that's, that's, that's what it means for me, but what about you? That's the way we live today. That's the theology of today. Yeah, that's what it's for me, but for you. And that's why you have the politicians in their prayer breakfasts and all that, where they're presenting a lot of, it sounds like tremendous truth, but what they're trying to do is pulling everybody into the web of agreement and making a political thing out of, of getting political agreement, thinking we're all going to glory. Somehow or another, we're all going to get there. My friends, that's the message to the Church of Sardis. Get along, get along, get along. You're just living in a get along. You've forgotten. You've forgotten that the truths of the scriptures are going to cut across the cultures. It is impossible to incorporate the thoughts of the Democrats and the Republicans into the Christian mindset and still stay totally true to the Scriptures.
And I present to us this morning as young people to not allow yourself to get tied up into the political pressures, aligning yourselves with one party or another. My friends, that's not the kingdom of God. While it is important for us not to create conflict where we don't need to, it is also very, very important for us to remember that the truths of the scriptures cannot be compromised on the altar of culture. There will always be a separation for God's people. Jesus said here, or the angel, the church to Sardis says, I've found even in Sardis, I've found a few that have been holding my name. Your candle's going out, but there's still a flicker here. I really want to encourage that flicker. That's the message to the church at Sardis. And my friends, today that spoke to me very deeply. I love to see what's going on in the world. I like to keep, keep abreast with current, current news. Every once in a while I get so disenchanted with I'll, I'll throw it aside for a week or two and then I'll go back to watching it again and again just to keep up what's going on. But I like to know what's going on. Current issues, et cetera, et cetera. But my friends, the answer in this world is not politics. There's going to have to be conflict. And as you become more aware of all that is going on in the world, and you're forced to a degree to get involved in the world, don't let yourself get pressured into everybody's okay. Let's just get along. That's not the way of Christ. There will always be a place where the culture of Christ will counter the culture of the world. While we want to get along, we want to have friends, and we want to relate well to those who we are in touch with, who we contact, and we don't want to be offensive. Never can we let that make us compromise the truths of Scripture. The offense of the gospel will be an issue for God's people till Jesus returns. Absolutely. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, God, this morning for every one of these young people here, for everyone here on the sound of my voice, and for the opportunity we have of looking into the scriptures. And we pray, Lord, a special blessing on each individual here this morning, and we pray that you would help us to sound deeply into the truths of the Scripture, make them a part of our life, and realize that when you say, thus saith, that you are not saying something that we can change. And when you call us to separation, and when you call us to be like Christ, and to walk like you in discipleship. You're not calling for us to just blend with all that goes around. You're calling us to be your people 
to be the light even in this world, in this generation. I pray, Lord, that every one of us, we have a personal sense of ministry and mission and not compromise the truth that you would like for us to assimilate into our lives and to walk the talk in such a way that our lives would reflect the glory that you've intended for your people. In the name of Christ, we ask it. Amen. God bless you.